0: Prophets. And he was a next step in God's revelation. We pointed that out last week. But what I want you to notice here as we consider who this Apostle Paul is. Just these few statements where you get a sense as to what his heartbeat is. God is my witness, verse 9, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. Without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making a request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. So man, I just, want, I, I just have stuff in this understanding of the gospel. I want you to have it. I want to pass it to you directly. I want you to understand how significant this thing called the gospel of Jesus Christ and God's redemptive work in time and space and history, how significant it is so that it will anchor you. We talked about that in one of our previous messages. I've often planned to come to you, he says in verse 13, was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you. You see his passion for getting to Rome and blessing them with the understanding of the gospel. And then verse 15 is really, is really the verse that I want us to just jump off from. So, as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. As much as is in me, everything that Paul lived for by this place in his life was about making Christ known through this thing called the Gospel, the good news of God's redemptive work in the world. And he says, everything inside of me moves me to this end, pushes me to this end, that I might come to be with you and bless you with an understanding of the Gospel that heretofore you perhaps have not received in its fullness. Because as you re- if you were with us through this, you know Paul by revelation received his understanding of the Gospel. He didn't receive it from the other apostles. He didn't stop and think about it one day. God took him, turned him around, and gave him, infused into him, inspired him with this gospel so that he got it firsthand from God himself. And now he says, that's what drives me. That is the thing that moves my life. Paul's commitment to the gospel grounded his life. Now, this being Father's Day, I'd like to just take that thought. As much as in, is it in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. We see that grounding. We see that commitment. And I would just like to ask this simple question. We'll just dialogue with it for a little bit. What would that, this commitment to the gospel, what would that look like for Fathers today Happy Father's Day guys. happy Father's Day. I'm just excited to share the day with you, and this is the thing that I told miles now I have something I want to be sharing with them. And can I say it now because I know how things go for me right now, this could be gone, and uh, when we're done with the service, okay well, I've got some treats I want to share with you. I just want a chance to wish you a happy Father's Day personally. All right, so come on back, grab a treat and uh, visit with me for a minute if you would, because I'd love to talk to you. All right, what would this look like when we see Paul's commitment for fathers today? First, I'd just like to suggest that fathers would have a belief in the gospel. Sounds simple enough. But how do we get there, guys? Yeah, maybe some of you have been through the thing, yeah, well, if Jesus Christ had revealed himself to me the way he did to Paul, of course I'd be completely committed to this thing. Of course I'd be grounded in it. Of course I'd be locked onto it. But he has not revealed himself to me in that way. And I'm my experience is different than Paul's. Yeah, most of us are not gonna have a Damascus Road experience. It's just not gonna happen that way. Paul was uniquely called in time, space, history to be one who was to be the apostle to the Gentiles and God sent him out on a mission planted churches around the, uh, the, uh, Europe and uh, Middle East and used him in an incredible way to write so many of our scriptures. Yeah, that was God's unique call upon Paul. I get it. So what would it look like for us? How do we gain that sense of belief in the gospel well one of the things that I've tried to point out to you if you've been with us is to understand that this redemptive work that God is doing he has been had been continues to do but had been revealing through the centuries he has recorded it for us what he's doing Paul becomes part of that record now here's my point we're not going to have that Damascus Road thing. But we have the Scriptures that we can turn to and see how God has been revealing His Gospel through the centuries. We have legitimate, thoughtful, intelligent reasons whereby we can stand upon the Gospel and say, this is the truth of God. The truth that he saves through the blood of Jesus Christ. And in him alone is hope for mankind. We can examine that. We can explore that. And we can see as many have. You know, there are, there, the, one of the ways in which I've, it's been recorded of guys whose lives have been turned around 180 degrees. Is by the people who set out to disprove the gospel. And so then they take whatever their training is. I have one guy who is a lawyer, another guy who uh, uh, was a um, people who write the news. Okay, the journalist, there you are. And have to explore things, okay? This guy's still living, Lee Strobel, all right? And they set out to take how they've been trained and to take their skills and to use that to prove that the gospel is wrong, could not have happened historically, and they come to faith. Because they're confronted with the reality. The only way to explain what we have here is that a resurrected Christ confronted the apostle Paul. And we have reasons to believe. Now, Dad, here's the thing. All of that information is out there. If you find, yeah, I understand what you're saying and I should believe this thing, you give it some time and a little bit of easy reading, easy studying, and guess what? The information is all there for you too. And if you don't know where to find it, talk to me. Because I'd love to share it with you. Because I, like you, I am only interested in taking a stand for the gospel and anchoring my life to it if it's true. I'm not interested if it happens to be a nice story that somebody thought up. I don't have time for that. And You don't either. The reason, guys, that we need to be committed and being anchored to the gospel is because we know and understand and have thought it through and have taken some time to grasp it, that it is absolutely true. And God has revealed Himself in it for centuries. So that's number one. What will it look like for fathers today? We will have done the work till we have established for our own spirits a belief, a true belief in the Gospel. That it is God's revelation through the Through the prophets, through the apostles, through Paul. And it's here for us. Secondly, fathers, grandfathers. Young men who are going to be fathers one day. Talking to you too, because you need to know this. You need to understand this. A second thing that it would look like for us to be anchored to the gospel is a total slash growing commitment To the gospel. I know how we like to. Particularly with men. We like to throw out this thing. Of you got to be totally committed. Completely committed. That's what God's looking for. And I agree. God's looking for for those of us men. Who are completely committed to the gospel. And the work of the gospel. And we want to throw out that challenge. And expect men's lives are going to change. But you know what I have found. Can I be honest? Throwing out that challenge. I've been there i have been I've been at the conferences, where as a young college student, I fall on my knees before the Lord, oh lord i want I want to serve you, oh Lord, I'm in for hundred per cent, I'm in, yeah, and guess what, two days later, I've crashed and burned on that total one hundred per cent I'm in completely, Lord, and I can point to you to person after person after person, young man after young man whose experience was the same. In fact, you know somebody who went through that. They were totally in. They were completely committed. They would never uh, fall away from Jesus Christ. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Peter. He made that commitment. Anybody, even though others, they'll abandon you, Lord. I would die for you. Tonight, I would do that. And Peter, Jesus is like, uh, yeah, let's talk about this. Three times, you'll deny me before the cock crows in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, what about this total commitment thing? What I'd like to suggest is we don't begin with a total commitment because we really don't know what life's going to bring us and where those failures are going to be and where it's going to test us. What I'd like to suggest is that we establish a growing commitment. You see, we don't begin with a total commitment. We build a total commitment. It's something that over time, as we continue to pursue Jesus Christ and to know Him, and because we have a belief in the gospel, say, I'm not, I can't abandon this. I have nowhere else to turn for truth. But my commitment to it, man, at times I wax and wane on that, and, and, and I'm not sure I'm ready to give it the priority that I need. But we keep going little by little, and we build that commitment. It becomes a part of us over time because we don't stop. Those of you who were with us at, uh, at the men's retreat at Cooperstown, which was a wonderful weekend, and I hope this next year when we go, hope all the men will come with us. It was great. But you may recall that we had one guy who joined us out of Sioux Falls. Randy Dahl, coolest Sturgis running machine guy I know. And he took time on that weekend, and he went for a run. He went for the run because he's at the front end of training for a marathon that's going to take place in Nashville on October 3rd. He was at the very front end of it. Can I tell you guys, because uh, I went out with him and took some pictures of him running because I'm excited for what he's doing. Man, he had a lot of doubt. This guy's I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. Randy, just keep taking it one step at a time. He's got a guy coaching him. Follow what he's laid out for you. You'll get there. Yesterday, Randy, for the first time in his life, ran 8.1 miles. That's right. That's right. You 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 can celebrate that. But there's an illustration in it that I'm hoping you're getting, friends. At the outset, Randy couldn't believe he could run 8.1 miles. That was next to impossible. He, He didn't have the total commitment to it. He didn't have the belief in it. But what did he do? He kept going one day after another, building upon what he had experienced before that he might keep moving forward. Men, I am far more excited... I'm far more excited about men who are committed to little by little moving forward in their relationship with Jesus Christ, bumping up against the things that we bump up against and then pushing on and growing from it and learning from it than a guy who walks around telling me how committed he is and how spiritual he is. I'm not interested in that guy because I've seen way too many of them crash and burn. Way too many of them. I am far more impressed by the older men we have sitting here right now who have been following Jesus for decades. They haven't changed the world. They never said they would change the world. But they have been faithful to continue on and to press on when I am sure there's many times the evil one tempted them to say, why are you doing this? Why are you putting yourself through? And they're still here and they're still growing. That's what is impressive, but we build a total commitment. We don't start with one because we really don't know how committed we are until those things start coming at us. So that's the second thing. We'll have a belief in the gospel. We'll have a growing commitment to the gospel that we're building day by day now because we're speaking to fathers. Probably not going to tell you anything new here. Can I remind you dads? These are things that matter and grandfathers. And dads to be. A third thing is we will have a responsibility to our children. We will understand that we are the first person that God has placed in their lives to make them aware of the things of God. To call their attention to the things of God to help them understand the things of God. That's going to be right there (laughs) as God blesses us with children. Like, hey, it's up to me as their father. We don't turn them over to the pastor. We don't give them over to the youth workers. They're all there to assist us. The Sunday School Teachers and all these other things that are out there. They're there to assist us. And it's a wonderful assistance that they bring. But the primary responsibility of making God known to my children is mine, not their mom's. Mine. She and I will work together. But God has placed me at the head of his household to carry that task and have that responsibility to my children to whatever degree I can and I am able. Can I suggest, guys, that in understanding our responsibility to our children, there there are some things that, that, uh, it's really not rocket science, but stuff we ought to consider. All right. First, that means that, and I'm not saying anybody here is not doing this. Just remind ourselves this matters. First, it's just paying attention to our kids. Acknowledging that they're there, knowing they're in the household. Being aware of what's going on with their lives, being interested in what's going on with their lives. kind of, It kind of surprised me that this last Thursday, Mike, um, Mike is move, is is upgraded, now he's a cabin with Allegiant. And by God's grace, in the last part of his training, he's in his last week of training, and then they just cut him free and say, go fly as a captain, okay? But the first place they had him fly into was Fargo. Now what's interesting to me about that it, and, and it was to him is that the first time I flew with Mike was on a little two-seater airplane in Fargo. As soon as he could have somebody else in the plane with him, Dad, I can I can fly you now. You want to come? Of course I'm going to come. Sat in this little two-seater with him. He's got the headset on, the mic. I got to listen in because I had a headset on, and hearing him talk to the tower and all that lingo going on that I don't understand, it's like, he gets this. This makes sense to him. And we did some touch and goes. That was wonderful. Well, when he first got hired on by Allegiant and uh, they were finishing his training to be first officer, uh, where did they send him? They sent him to Fargo. So I went and watched him land that A320 on the same runway where we had been in a little two-seater. Now, since then, if you try and talk to Mike about flying, about his, his piloting experience, he's like, it's my job. Can we talk about something else? I want to talk about my work. All right? And so we'd get on to other subjects. But now he's upgrading. He called us. And he, uh, he said, hey, it turns out I'm flying into Fargo again for my first leg as being a captain in my final leg of my training. Just want to let you know in case you wanted to come and watch. So, Thursday, we took the risk of driving there and we watched a jet land again in taxi and later take off. And uh, we waved at him because we were watching from the viewing area and he told us later, Yeah, I saw you waving. I did. And um, But you know what, what hit me? Nearly 40 years old. It still mattered. He acts like, well, yeah, it's no big deal here. But now that there's this new place and this interesting moment, we're going to watch him again, but now he's going to be there as the captain. That dad was there to see it. Guys, your attention to your kids will always matter. It will always matter. They need to know God's love, or their dad's love. They need to know... Their dad's affirmation. Please be aware of those kids in your home. It's the most important thing that you are doing. Can I suggest, along with this, as you're being aware of them, you love them according to their needs, and I just have one simple thought on that. Your daughters, guys, they have to know daddy loves them. They have to know that. They have to know their daddy is there to protect them. And if a stranger comes into the house, daddy's the one who will stand between them and the stranger. They have to know that. And dads, if you do not communicate that to your daughters, if they do not know that you love them unconditionally, they will find that love in some pimply-faced teenage boy. I'm sorry. I watched it when I was a pimply-faced teenage boy and saw what girls were doing who didn't have good relationships with their dad. I figured this out when I was about 17. With the girls that I knew and saw how they so quickly gave themselves to some boy because their dad was not giving them the security they need. And dad, one of the greatest privileges you will have in life is when that day comes and there's A fine young man, not a boy, but a young man ready to maturely enter into life with your daughter. And the preacher will say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And you will say, her mother and I. And you will take that daughter of years that you have loved and protected and you will link her up with that young man and now she's under his protection. Beautiful moment in a wedding ceremony that I don't think most people get. How significant it really is, Dad, and that will be your privilege, Dad. Tell your girl every day. Start when they're in diapers, before they even understand it. You tell them every day you love them, so that as they get older, they're used to hearing it, and you're used to saying it. Because if you wait till they're 14 or 15, in the middle of a family fight, I love you, and you're like, yeah, they're not going to believe it. You start the day they come out of the chute. You start telling them. That you love them. And your boys. Dad, your boys need you to love them in a different way. Your boys need something else from you. Your boys need an example of what manhood looks like. They have to know what a man of integrity looks like. What a man who stands for the gospel looks like. How he makes his decisions. How he is honest, straightforward, doesn't doesn't mess around with his business dealings. Because being honest in his business dealings is what honors the Lord. And how he learns to stand up for the things he believes in. Your boys need that example as you are present in their lives. I'm going to read just a little something to you. I came across this week. um, It's from uh i'm going to i'm going to give you his ethnicity only because we're being forced to a division and i'm i we have to fight against this All right we're we're almost being forced to believe that within america everything is about black versus white right now and that's not the case you need to hear this because this is written this is written by a committed black christian father But he just points out the statistics. You've probably heard these before. But he's writing about them because he knows how it has impacted his community. 85% of all fatherless children exhibit behavioral disorders. 90% of all homelessness and runaways come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts don't have a dad. Seventy-five percent of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers don't have involved dads. Seventy-five percent of rapists motivated by misplaced anger don't have a dad while growing up. Eighty-five percent of youth in prison come from fatherless homes. Seventy percent of juveniles in state-regulated institutions come from fatherless homes. And then he, after the statistics, he writes this. The last statistic about the 70 percent of juveniles from fatherless homes, So the last statistic I know all too well, working with juveniles in detention over the years has been by far the most revealing idea that dads, notice the statement: dads are more important than we Americans recognize." That's a powerful statement. Without exception, 99.9 percent of juveniles. Have no involved fathers. The young lads basically want them dead. They say, if I see my dad, I'll probably smoke him. He ain't never been there for me. Fathers um, fathers provoke their children to wrath and discouragement when they exit stage right and leave them behind. Dad, we're living in a day and an age when In many ways, you're being told your role as a father isn't all that important, you know. And particularly, as to I'm speaking here today, you go, you as white guys, yeah, you're terrible guys. Look at dads. Don't buy it. There are lies being foisted out there, and you need to know you are that most important person in your children's lives. All right. We're going to be intentional about passing on the gospel if indeed we're completely in belief and committed to it, passing it on to our kids. Can I beg of you dads? Because I've heard two things, and this gets dads off the hook. Number one, they either let the mom carry this part of their children's upbringing about the gospel, church, faith, knowing who God is. We let mom do it. I know that because that's what my dad did. He was loved him. He's left a vacuum in my life, having done that. Um, The other thing is that guys will get themselves off the hook with is well, I don't believe I ought to tell them what to believe. We'll let them just grow up, and at some point, they can decide for themselves what they'll believe. Wrong! Dad, we have a responsibility to tell our kids what is truth, and we can know that from the Word of God. Don't abdicate. Your responsibility with any nice sounding platitude. You abdicate that responsibility, Dad, and you're doing great harm to your very own children. Um, Lowell Hogberg used to always talk, I shouldn't always talk, but mentioned repeatedly through the years to me about Miles' grandfather. And he would describe it something like this He wasn't always real vocal. He wasn't always out there with everything. He said, but you knew what he stood for. It came through in how he lived. You see, Dad, I'm not talking about every one of us has got to be a major Bible teacher. But you do need to have a presence in your kids' lives that they know what you believe, what you stand for, and however it is you communicate that, part of it is going to be simply living that consistent life before them and letting these things uh, impact how you make decisions, that But this is is critical stuff that you and I cannot ignore. We cannot ignore it. And then with that, as we grow, I talked about that earlier, about a growing commitment to the gospel. You know, we can teach what, what little bits we're learning. We don't have to be scholars. If we're on a growth path, as God gives opportunities, as God gives teaching moments, we pass a little bit on to our kids. And they see on a consistent, regular basis. That, huh, dad is really committed to this. And that will impact them. And then the other thing, dad, that we have at our, at our disposal, I hope you will use, expose them to other influences that are supporting what you're trying to do. There are other dads out there. I, I, I'm telling you, all right? We've got dads right here. Well, Miles is back there somewhere. Had a huge impact upon our daughter. Miles and Judy. Randy has had a huge impact upon Matt because they, they, there had been a transition of youth ministry during that time. How many times Lori and I have been thankful for those people that God had placed in our children's lives who helped us because they repeated the things that we were trying to teach at home. We couldn't have done it without them. It was just important. So there are other Dads and families, there's youth ministry, there's VBS, there's camp right now going on. How wonderful is that? That there are people ministering to these kids at camp. That's helping us in our task, parents. That's helping us. There's Christian media, Christian music. And then can I encourage you as you're being intentional about inculcating the gospel into your children, pray for God's direction and blessing in their lives. Talk to some of these people who have older children, and, and you, they found their way somehow in this. And you will see that what they were as little kids, what they were ex- expressing and, and exposing as little kids as they grow up into that, and God faithfully moves them in that direction so that where he has them fits that little kid that you saw all those years. So pray for God's direction. Pray for God's blessing. And um, I'm just going to make two last comments, Dads. First of all, your role as a father, it's an awesome task that only you can fill. Those children in your home, they need you. And they're looking to you. You, that's, you have no higher calling. Do you realize that? Any place you work, Any other place where, you know, you decide I go get a job elsewhere, they just put somebody in behind you. Nobody can do that in your role as a dad. That child who calls you dad, you can't just walk out and it's like, oh, let's just bring in somebody else. I mean, talk to the kids who've had to deal with that because they're out there. Where dad's gone and now a new one comes in and then that one's gone and another one comes in. That's constant turmoil. Those kids are going to have problems. They need you, Dad. They need you. They need you consistently in your home. The task only you can fill. But it's not rocket science. The things I've talked about here are not rocket science. You get them. God's wired you to be a dad. It's a great thing. And the second thing, I don't mean this in any way insulting. I want to remind us. Okay? This is I, I'm thinking particularly with boys, because I have a deep concern about what's happening with boys in our in our culture today. Dad, you need to understand, moms can't do it. Moms cannot raise your sons to be the men they need to be. They can do their best job with it. They can do their best job with it, but I guarantee your son will always know he's lacking something. If you've not been involved in his life, absolutely he needs you. We've already discussed about the security you give your daughters. Those are things moms can't do. That's why God has two parents in a home. I can't say that strongly enough, guys, that we can't give this over to moms. Now, how do I know that? I'd say, well, come on, that's an overstatement. You know how I know that moms can't do it? They, they just can't pull it off. That's not a criticism. They're not wired to do it. And your kids' needs are something more than that. How do I know it? The statistics we just read a little bit ago. Where kids were left to moms alone doing it. And you see, it isn't working. They need you, Dad. There's no place in the world that you have a higher or more important calling and to be that father in the home who is believing the gospel, who is growing in his understanding of the gospel so that he has something to share with his family, and who is absolutely committed to his task and his responsibility to his children. Everything else is going to burn up, but not what you've invested in your kids, dads. I love you. I respect what God's calling you to do, and I know it's getting harder and harder in this day and age because we're being challenged time and again about who we are as men. And as that guy wrote, you know, we don't seem to understand in America how important fathers are. But I'm telling you, you're important. Dad, don't believe the lie that says you can somehow skate on this thing. You cannot. Amen? Father, I thank you for this privilege of speaking with fathers today. Lord, it is a high and holy calling. And these children are in desperate need of their dads being fathers, being present, investing, paying attention to them, knowing you and communicate what it means to know Jesus Christ, Lord. And so I ask your blessing upon fathers here today. I pray that each one would take a little something that will encourage them to move forward in their, their role as a father, to continue to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they have something to share with their children, Lord, and uh, uh, to just gain wisdom in how they deal with each of their children as individuals and to know them and to, uh, to bless them and to speak well into their lives, Father. Um, but at times, it just feels like a hopeless cause. And so, I ask you will strengthen fathers. Strengthen grandfathers. Strengthen young boys and young men who will be fathers one day that they might already be ordering their lives so that when the children do come into their lives, they are prepared to be the men they need to be in raising those young children. We commit them all to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.